News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero. And we are here and we are ready to go. We hope you are as well. It is seven minutes after seven, so we'll uh, we'll get right into it here on the uh, Employment Law Show. Alex is here to answer your calls. Bring them on. Phone lines open. Had a bunch of you call in last week. We loved it, so feel free to do the same thing this week. With uh, more of your questions, 613-521-TALK, 613-521-8255. That is the number. You have questions about uh, COVID-19, being laid off, going back to work. Should you go back to work? Did your doctor say you can go back to work? Maybe you're nervous about it. Or maybe you've gone back to a different job than you left months ago with COVID-19. Is that legal? All these and any other employment questions are set to go to be answered. 613-521-TALK is the way. Alex will take care of those. Want to send along an email? Well, you can do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We already have a few of those trickling in and ready to be answered in uh, just a little bit here. But in between the calls and our chatting, uh, Alex, we'll get to this. Deadlines for signing back severance offers. This is important stuff, so we'll get to that. But first, a couple things going on in your world uh, with the week that was. What's up, Al? Hey, John. Thanks very much. Great to be back uh, live on the air in Ottawa talking employment law, talking severance, workplace rights. We're here to take your calls, take questions, and we're uh, live on the air until 8 p.m. So do feel free to call in. Uh, and it, you know, it does continue to be a busy time for us here in Ottawa. Uh, John, it's not just people uh, who are being let go who are contacting mm-hmm. us. People contact us every single day with their workplace situations, wanting to know what uh, if what their employer is doing is legal, uh, questions about COVID and health and safety in the workplace, what they can do about it. And that's great, John. We encourage people to contact us, seek out that help, seek out that information, whether it's by email, calling us, messaging us online. Let's talk about it. The more information and knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected and prepared you're going to be to deal with any workplace problems uh, that come your way. And certainly, uh, if you do know someone or if you yourself have lost your job, that's an extremely serious matter. We have to resolve it. Don't sign off on a severance package without receiving legal advice. Uh, you know, we, we have to get those employees out there what they're actually owed. Chances are, as an employee, if you've been let go, you haven't been made a good severance offer. So for all, uh, all of you listening uh, this evening, if you know someone who's lost their job or if you yourself has lost your job, you know, help, uh, help us, help you. Uh, give us a call. Let's chat about it. And um, to start us off tonight, John, uh, you know, and as you mentioned, let's get us uh, all warmed up uh, with the segment we call The Week That Was. Chance to talk about a, a couple of situations that I've dealt with personally over the last week. So first situation, John, involved uh, a lady that called me this week. Uh, now, now th- this lady, unfortunately, recently started suffering from, you know, some pretty serious health uh, issues and, and uh, health conditions. And um, what happened here a couple of weeks ago is, is this lady advised her employer that she'd be starting a treatment for her condition over the course of, uh, of the next month or so and that treatment was going to require her to be out of the office a couple of days uh, a week. This is a lady that was actually going into an office to do her work. She had to physically go in. She wasn't working from home. Uh, so she told her employer this and she said, here's the situation, here's what I'm dealing with uh, and you know, for the next month or so I'm, I'm not going to be able to come in for at least two days a week and I'll, I'll let you know what those days are as soon as possible and can you please accommodate that let's work out some sort of schedule company initially responds you know pretty fair you know pretty positively uh, john they didn't seem particularly thrilled but they said sure no problem let us know what your schedule is uh, when it comes and then 
about a week later, almost exactly to the day a week later, she's called in by the company's HR and she is let go from her, her position. She's fired. Um, the company tells her this is a restructuring. They tell her her position is being eliminated. Uh, this, this lady worked with the company for three years. Um, and the, what the company says upon termination is, well, don't worry, we're going to take care of you. We're going to be offering you four weeks of pay as a three-year uh, employee. Even yeah. though the minimum amount is, is three weeks of pay, we'll give you an extra week and, and offer you four weeks of pay. How generous of the company. Uh, and I'm being I'm being sarcastic there, obviously, John. So this lady calls me. She wants to know, okay, well, you know, what gives here? I feel like I was let go maybe because I mentioned this. I, I had never heard of the restructuring before, and now all of a sudden I tell them I have a health issue, and then I'm let go a week later. Um, and that is a problem for the employer, uh, uh, John. I mean, uh, these dots are too closely connected that something smells here. And, and really, the situation doesn't pass the smell test in the sense that, you know, if you're letting an employee go a week after she's announced that there is a medical issue at hand and they, and she has to be accommodated, again, that's potentially a human rights violation. That is a problem for the company. It's potentially illegal. Your employer can't let you go, John, because you need accommodation for a medical condition or because you have a disability or have to take time off for medical uh, a treatment. Your, your employer actually has a duty, has a positive obligation to accommodate you in that respect. And because they didn't do that, because they chose instead to let her go, well, that's a human rights issue now. That's discrimination on the basis uh, of disability. And so, you know, uh, she's going to be owed not only way more severance pay than four weeks of pay as a three-year employee. She's probably looking at six months pay uh, in terms of her severance entitlements. Not only is this effectively a wrongful dismissal in that uh, respect, but there's also now this human rights violation that's going to lead to additional damages and additional compensation as well. So, you know, if your employer won't accommodate you in, in your workplace or if you get penalized or you feel like you're getting punished because you have a medical condition, that's wrong. You have to give us a call in a situation like that. The law is going to come down very hard on an employer who treats an employee with a medical condition differently or who lets that employee go. You know, even if it's one percent related to their medical condition, again, that is a problem. And so, the moral of the story here is: don't let an employer let you go because you're sick or because you need accommodation for whatever reason. That's wrong on many, many levels. And as an employee, there is recourse in a situation like that. There is compensation that you're going to be owed. Um, and it's just not how an employer should be behaving. Again, the number to call through. You still got time. We're just just getting warmed up. Six one three five two one talk. Six one three five two one talk. You know what? Wanted we? Uh, I was going to say want to get to your second matter, but we got to take a short break. I don't you know, want you to uh, to rush through it, pal. So we're going to hang on till we take that short break. Get some calls happening here, and get back to our topic at hand after we're done with the week that was, which is deadlines for signing back severance offers. That is on the way. But first, we'll take a short break. You want to send along a, an email? Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And again, 613-521-TALK. Lines are open. We're ready to go. Employment Law Show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Lucifero on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
And we are back. Alex is ready to go, and hopefully you are as well with that phone in hand. 613-521-TALK. You have employment questions. doesn't matter what it's about. Bring it on. Chances are you've either had misinformation or not enough information to make a uh, a wise choice moving forward. 613-521-TALK is the, uh, the number. We'll get to that and more of our show tonight and some emails as well. But first, always, always, always phones are top priority. In that regard, I'm going to go to uh, Michelle, who's been standing by for a moment. Michelle, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Um, I just had a question around this age discrimination. Okay. Do I have any recourse when when I'm applying for positions that I have, I have 30 years experience, but I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not getting the positions and I'm being told that I have the experience and they appreciate the experience, but usually it's something that's really silly that's prohibiting me from getting the job. It's an interesting question, uh, uh, Michelle. Is this an, uh, an internal uh, position that you're applying for? or, or external? No, they're, they're external jobs. Okay, okay. Uh, got it. I, I mean, you know, uh, hiring is very much like uh, firing, I guess, when it comes to the legal analysis, in, in the sense that there's nothing inherently wrong with an employer rejecting an application or, or, or you know, uh, not hiring an employee for any any given number of reasons maybe they don't think it's a good fit uh or you know maybe they they prefer one candidate over another and, and really there you know there doesn't necessarily have to be a particular reason for hiring one employee over the other and, and that reason doesn't necessarily need to be disclosed but you know you touched on age discrimination and that certainly is potentially problematic both in the context of hiring and also in the context of of terminations of employment uh, and so if you if you are concerned that the reason why you're being rejected for these positions is indeed age discrimination, that is potentially a problem, uh, Michelle, and you would potentially have recourse uh, in a situation like that. It would be rec- recourse through the Human Rights Tribunal in Ontario. I guess the question I would have for you, uh, Michelle, is, you know, when it comes to these kinds of issues, the proof is always going to be in the pudding. And when it comes Mm -hmm. to the law, that means evidence. And so, you know, the question I would have is, you know, how much can you prove in that respect? If we're just speculating, if it's just a feeling and there is nothing kind of substantive there that we can rely on as evidence, it does become a difficult claim, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, and it might even come down to kind of your word versus theirs. Is there anything in particular that you were told during the interview? I mean, uh, you know, certainly an employer can't be asking an employee's age or can't be making comments about retirement or anything like that. Those are potential signs of age discrimination. Did anything like that happen in your case? Well, well the, the tell-all, though, is in your CV, right? So if my CV goes back to 1987, it's evident that I have over 30 years, right, that I've been working that sure. long. Sure, So, like, the writing is easily on the wall. Yeah, but again, is that necessarily enough evidence to demonstrate that they've discriminated against you? Not necessarily. Right? I mean, a CV is a CV. Um, that might not be enough to prove a claim uh, like that. Yeah. W- was something ever said during an interview process that concerned you? Well, like we, we, we had a long conversation about the position and about requirements, and, mm-hmm. and I had mentioned that fit was my biggest concern, um, not necessarily money, because I had worked in other other offices and, 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 and in-house positions where I'd made a lot more money. But now that I'm, you know, that I'm older and I've, I've got my home and my kids are grown, I just, I wanted to go back to work and work in a small, you know, smaller organization and just sure. love sure. what I do, you know. And uh, so they were, like, they were really impressed with that, but 
at the end of the day, there was like one piece of software that they were really concerned that they, they thought that I didn't have. And I, and I did have it, in fact. Like I, I, I mentioned it by the corporation name as opposed to the brand of what it was. And they said that was the one contributing factor why I did not get the position. Mm-hmm. And, and like mm-hmm. to be honest, a lot of these software packages, um, a 10-year-old can drive them. You know what I mean? Once you start to learn, you know, you play in one, for example, legal software, they're, they're all very similar. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, fair fair enough. And, and so, you know, I, I think that might be a tough one, uh, Michelle, in the sense that it sounds like, you know, nothing overtly was said during the interview process that, that we'd be able to rely on, shall we say, in terms of age discrimination. But certainly it seems like, you know, you're, you know, as we always say, actually, John, as you always say on the show, your spidey senses are tingling. And, and so I, yeah. I, I think that probably warrants a further conversation uh, uh, Michelle, and so what I'd be happy to do is feel free to contact us off air, give us a call, let's schedule a time to kind of sit down and really go through the details of what happened with a fine-tooth comb. Certainly, I'm more than happy to give you my advice and my take on things, and if there is something to pursue, you know, we can definitely uh, discuss that. Age discrimination is definitely, definitely a worry uh, when you're talking uh, about uh, you know, senior employees who are either who are being let go and perhaps being let go because of their age, um, or alternatively, if you are an older employee looking for work, and something rubs you the wrong way during an interview process, and the issue of your age or even your experience comes up, again, that should be a sign. You know, employers cannot treat you differently. An employer can't punish you because of your age. That is discrimination on the basis of. Uh, of age and uh, it's a problem for employers and uh, and a good lesson for all our listeners out there so we appreciate you calling in Michelle Michelle appreciate it indeed and here is that number to uh, follow up with Alex and uh, suggest you do if not for just a bit of a longer chat and that would be one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address you want to use michelle still lots of time for you to call in like michelle get some answers that's how it works it's uh, really quick really painless it's six one three five two one talk but gonna get down to this as we uh, get more uh, phone calls lined up here deadlines for signing back the old severance offer so how is a typical a typical severance offer structured anyway yeah. So, and, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this subject, John, is you know, yeah. literally every day, the it it goes without fail, John. Every single day of my of my working life, I get asked about severance deadlines, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to, you know, it's a topic that we've touched on before, but I wanted to raise it again only because it keeps coming up. And listen, it's it's a topic that causes, or it's an issue rather, that causes a lot of stress for employees out there in all in already stressful situation. So employees have been let go. They've lost their job. Uh, you know, they're obviously extremely upset about that. They're kind of in shock. And now you have this arbitrary deadline of five days from today or a week from today to, to sign off. You're being offered some money but have no idea what to make of it. Again, it's very, very straightful, so I want to set, set the record straight on that issue. To answer your question, John, most severance packages are structured in a way that's going to be a kind of a lump sum payment. So the termination will, letter will say, you know, as per our conversation today, we've made the decision to let you go. Here are what we are offering you as your severance entitlements. Mm-hmm. And it'll usually give you a number of weeks 
or a number of months, and then probably relay what that means in terms of pay. So we'll, you know, we're prepared to offer you 10 weeks of pay representing you know, $20,000, or again, whatever the number is going to be. Uh, and they'll ask you to sign back and they'll say, you know, uh, you need to sign by October 20th, 2020. And if you don't sign, well, then you're only going to receive a portion of this amount that we're offering. That's usually what it looks like. And it's like that for a reason, uh, uh, John. Employers try to incentivize employees to sign off on these severance packages because they want good value for money. This is a business transaction for the employer and they're looking for a good deal. Uh, and so an employer will almost always offer an employee something less than what they're actually owed, hoping that the employee sees a decent amount of money being offered and kind of blindly and without thinking says, well, I guess that seems fair. I guess my employer is going to do the right thing. Let me just sign off right away. And that's the wrong move, as we'll get into as we get into this topic in a little more detail, John. That is the wrong, wrong move. You should never be signing a severance uh, offer uh, without legal advice, regardless of what that deadline is, regardless of whether they're giving you three days to sign or three months to sign. You need advice before you sign off on that paperwork. And then again, we'll get into a little bit more detail about kind of the ins and outs of that process uh, as we go through through the topic. Yeah, it's funny that uh, that severance deadline's a good one. It's, you know, we often say, you know, if someone owes you $100 and they're offering you 50 and they say, you know, you got one day to sign off on the 50 bucks, and meanwhile they owe you 100 you're going to be like, no, no, I'm not signing off on nothing because you're shortchanging me 50 cents on the dollar. Why would I sign on it, right? Now, the advice, of course, you never want to tell anybody to take a full two years, nor can the average person afford to wait two years to exercise their common law rights, but that's that two-year uh, deadline is a long one for uh, for anybody who's worried about it, right? Yeah, that, that's what we call a limitation period at at, yeah. at law, and and you know ultimately an employee has two years from the date of their termination to pursue a severance package. They never want to wait that long, John, as you just uh, said. But to go back to your analogy of you know uh, accepting fifty dollars instead of a hundred, the real problem that we see out there is that well people don't know that they're owed that a hundred dollars, right? They right, think they're call. owed fifty because that's what they're being offered, and so they sign off on that fifty dollars blindly without receiving advice without speaking to an employment lawyer and you know god forbid they realize the day later or a year later oh my god i, I you know I, I i signed off on this for 50 cents on the dollar uh you know that's a rough lesson to learn in life especially at a time where you're without a job you're without income and you've now just accepted a severance package that's you know 50 percent of what you yeah. should have received Let's take a short break. We'll get back into more of our talking points, deadlines for signing back, severance offers. Tune in, listen to this, and keep it in your head because you never know when it's going to come to the fore and be oh so important in your working career, right? Uh, phone calls, by the way, ready to go, 613-521-TALK. That's 8255-613-521-TALK to call in. Call now. Talk to Alex and ask your questions. We'll continue. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. And we are right back at it. As you know, the number to call through 613-521-TALK. The call's always priority. In that regard, moving on to uh, to Chad, who's been standing by patiently on the line. Hey, Chad, good evening. How are you, pal? Uh, good. Good. Hey, I, have, I have a question concerning the... 
we'll do this thing going on and uh, in regards to the workplace. Uh, in March, I took three months off. Uh, a lot of people did. And uh, for the safety of my family, it's not actually my wife's pregnant. She's doing anything. We didn't feel safe with people in the work, and we really didn't know. Uh, Sorry, Chad, can you, can, you, can you speak up a little bit? I'm having a hard time hearing you. Get a little closer to your phone, Chad. We uh, took three months off in March, as a lot of people did, uh, concerning the whole COVID thing. And mm-hmm. when I came back to work, I, uh, I ran into some issues concerning the whole COVID thing, people not wearing their masks. And I had approached a few people and asked them to be mine. But one particular person took it really far with me and like uh, winded up in a bit of a verbal complication. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I winded up getting a uh, reprimand for the situation. I accepted it, but uh, still nothing happened about the masks. Now, today to this day, today, exactly today, uh, the guy's not wearing his mask and uh, I asked him and so I winded up messaging my boss and my supervisor can somebody please do something about the mask like there's no enforcement going on and I have some legit concerns you guys know my wife's pregnant do any day they don't respond back to me they don't say anything back to me at all and they just choose to ignore any time is there anything I can do about that like yeah yeah, great, great questions, uh, uh, Chad. And certainly, we've been fielding those questions quite often, uh, y- you know, day to day, in you know, since March, I guess. Um, so, I guess a couple of issues there. So, with respect to the health and safety issues, so you mentioned, you know, employees in the workplace weren't wearing masks, and you're kind of just generally concerned about what's going on in the workplace. Uh, certainly. Uh, where an employee should be starting with respect to that issue is having a conversation with a supervisor or with a manager or with an owner of the company, if it's a small shop, you know, about their concerns and about what's required in the workplace. Certainly in uh, kind of public areas of a workspace, social distancing should be uh, implemented and mask wearing should be implemented. And that should be uh, across the board. And I think that's even been mandated by our kind of local health authorities, uh, or especially, you know, at least in in Ottawa and in Toronto and in the, uh, uh, you know, in those those areas. So uh, if that's not working, if you speak to your manager, if you speak to your boss and they're ignoring you, or I mean, Chad, it sounds like you were even kind of reprimanded because you got into a bit of of a verbal argument with an employee, uh, if that's not working, if that approach isn't getting you anywhere and you still have concerns, you can certainly reach out to the Ministry of Labor in a case like that. Uh, listen, the Ministry of Labor is is not great when it comes to severance. You want to avoid the Ministry of Labor at all costs when it comes to calculating your severance entitlements. They cannot help you there. Um, and, and actually, they can hurt you there. But when it comes to things like health and safety, when it comes to things like overtime pay or vacation pay, you can certainly... Uh, 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 file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. They will investigate, they will make recommendations, and it's a way to uh, get your employer's attention if they're not abiding by those rules. Keep in mind that your employer can't punish you, cannot treat you differently, cannot fire you because you filed a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. Otherwise, that would be a reprisal, and that's problematic. 
Uh, last point, uh, Chad, if I can make it, it sounds like you were written up because of a kind of verbal verbal altercation, and, and you accept it. And listen, that's okay. If you're if you're accepting it, then that's then that's fine. It'll obviously go on your record. However, make sure the company has your version of events down. Make make sure you write to them and tell them, you, you know, I'm accepting this reprimand, yeah. but here's what happened, and here's how I feel that you know I was justified. Uh, you want to make sure you get your version of events down in writing to them because if they try and rely on that reprimand a month from now or a year from now and try and kind of dictate what happens and, and use it against you, you at least have your response on the record to them, uh, kind of setting you know your version of events forward and setting the record uh, straight. And certainly if the Ministry of Labor doesn't help or if your employer continues to cause you problems, Give us a call. We can potentially intervene uh, as employment lawyers in a case like that. And, uh, you know, if it gets bad enough, uh, Chad, you're potentially looking at a constructive dismissal there, meaning you can potentially leave your employment uh, and obtain a severance package. Although I would certainly rather you try and work it out with the company first. Chad, the number to reach out further to uh, to Alex and the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, still some time for you to call in, 613-521-TALK. That's how you do it. In that regard, getting to Sue has been patiently uh, standing by. Sue, good evening. How are you? Thank you. Very well. Great. What's on your mind? Um, I have a question. Uh, I work uh, for a dental corporation uh, that started out, um, I work for the independent dentist who sold the practice to a corporation and then it got resold again a couple years ago, although they're still sort of affiliated with the company that bought from the independent dentist. Mm-hmm. And my question is that um, we had benefits that we had been working with under the independent dentist that got grandfathered into the new corporation. But last year they took away our Christmas bonus that we usually get And this year, I tried to claim some continuing education, and they are denying it and saying that they won't approve that anymore going forward. Um, And my reply to them is that, you know, I've worked for the company or the dentist for 28 years, and that stuff has always been given and covered. And... Mm -hmm. I don't think that they can just unilaterally decide they're not doing it. So then they asked to see a copy of the contract, which of course they, you know, would have had copies of the contract. But that certainly should have. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't sign a contract when the independent dentist sold to the corporation. Under advice, I had the contract reviewed by a lawyer who said the way it was not to sign it. So. Um, I had it changed, but they never signed the new contract. So I've been working without this written contract. So I'm just not sure how mm-hmm. I stand that way. It's a great question, uh, Sue. And certainly, it sounds like you've made uh, you've made the, the right decisions uh, at, at each step of the way here, in the sense that you know almost always. Uh, when an employer, you know, in, in the context of a purchase and sale, or, or even in the context of, of an employee's kind of ordinary employment, if your employer is introducing an employment contract kind of mid-employment, or again in the context of, a, of, of some sort of restructuring or change in the business, 
that's never going to help an employee. It's always going to be restrictive on the employee and either limit their severance entitlements or take away some of their benefits or their rights. Uh, even sometimes, you know, when there's a signing bonus at play, that signing bonus mm-hmm. kind of pales in comparison to what you're giving up as an employee. So good for you for not signing that agreement, uh, Asu. I think it actually kind of puts you in a stronger position uh, now than had you had you signed it. Um, right. To answer your questions, and you know, I like the language that you're using, and it certainly sounds like you've been kind of paying attention and, and, and know how this works. Any kind of significant change to the terms of your employment, even if it includes you know, removing benefits or even a change in position that really doesn't change your pay at all, any kind of substantial or significant change is potentially a problem for an employer, and they, they're not allowed to force a change like that on an employee, that's potentially what we call a constructive dismissal, meaning if they do force it, you might be allowed to resign your employment and get a severance package, get your severance entitlements as a 20, I think you mentioned 28 years, Sue? That's correct. Yeah, as a 28-year employee, you know, your severance entitlements are going to be significant, you know, potentially as much as as much as much two years, but here is, you know, the, the devil's always in the details, Sue, and, and, and here mm-hmm. it is, you know, if the bonus was you know, quite small. And, and if the, you know, the continuing education uh, reimbursement was also quite small, and we were talking about several hundred dollars or maybe even a couple of thousand dollars, in the right. context of your full compensation package, the question that needs to be answered is, is that change significant enough? Is it substantial enough? If it only reflects maybe, you know, 2% of your total salary, or maybe even 5% of your total salary, that change may actually not be significant enough to give you that protection of a constructive dismissal. It certainly doesn't make it right, Sue. I agree with you there. But it means your recourse might be limited because the change might not be uh, really significant enough. In terms of changes to, to pay structure, uh, and this is this is a generalization, so I certainly don't want to want our listeners out there to take it as kind of a hard rule of thumb or a hard calculation. But something in the range of about a ten percent change is usually what's required in order to okay. meet the test for a constructive dismissal. So, you know, if if your uh, if your pay, you know, if those benefits are worth ten percent of your total compensation package, well, I think now you know you probably do have grounds to. To, to dispute that uh, and, to, okay. and to fight that, Sue. If it's something less than that, it does become a little more tenuous. I think you should still make an issue of it, right? I think you should still stand up to your employer and say, you know, I'm not agreeing to this. These have always been covered. I, you know, I'm, uh, th- there's no contract of employment that tells me they're not covered. And so, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know I, I need these amounts covered, or at least I need some notice of this. Which means maybe the company you know compensates you this time, but maybe next time around you know now you're aware of mm-hmm. these of these changes, and so perhaps next time around it's not covered. I think actually that might be a fair resolution because uh, terms of employment can be changed by requiring by providing notice. So if your employer gave you notice of these changes and that notice was significant enough, again it could be allowed. Um, okay. But, you know, otherwise, um, you know, we can talk about this off air. So feel free to give us a call if you want to discuss it in more detail. Again, there, you know, there are kind of pros and cons to this. But certainly, if this ends up being a substantial change to the terms of your employment, you would have the right to pursue something further here. Okay, great. Okay, I appreciate all that uh, information. 
Thank you, Sue. Appreciate that. Please enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for your time. Here's how you reach out to uh, to Alex, one 855 5900 help at Let's take a quick break. Back to more of your phone calls and emails and everything that we do on the show every week. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580, CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. We are back, and you still have a few minutes here to call through. Ask a question if you so choose. 613-521-TALK is the way to do that. Email anytime is help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, when we're not on the air and you have the need to get a hold of an employment lawyer, and Alex may be busy or on a, on a call, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is a uh, wonderful website, free, absolutely anonymous, and there is a wealth of information right there for you to use. Absolutely free. uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We did have a question, though, from a uh, caller off air. Alex said, what happens if an employer ignores the lawyer's request for severance? Yeah, uh, and and I have to say, this doesn't happen all too often. I mean, you know, at at least nine out of ten times, uh, you know, when we become involved on a file, whether we reach out to an employer, uh, you, you know, by email or by letter or by telephone call, we'll get a response. Sometimes it takes a few days uh, or even sometimes, uh, you know, a few weeks, but it's very, very rare that we don't receive a response at all, John. And there might be a couple of reasons why or a couple of different kind of scenarios that we see as employment lawyers on a regular basis. When it's a large employer uh, 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 John, uh, that is actually a situation that concerns me more because large employers are usually pretty sophisticated. They know what they're yeah. doing. They're receiving legal advice or at the very least human resources advice. And so when they're ignoring uh, a lawyer's letter, uh, I- I'm concerned that that uh, betrays the company's unwillingness to negotiate or unwillingness to respond. And you know, in a situation like that, if an employer does refuse to respond, well, then we can just go ahead and, and proceed with formal legal action. So there is a way, you know, there is a way to push a matter forward, even if a company is ignoring you. Uh, the other scenario that I see is when we're dealing with smaller or medium-sized businesses. You know, it's oftentimes the case that when, when a, you know when a small business receives a letter from a lawyer's office, they just don't know what to do. They're kind of overwhelmed with the situation. It's yeah. almost as if sometimes they kind of bury their head in the sand, hoping that it goes away. So sometimes that you know the, those employers need some pushing, they need some reminding, they need some follow-ups, and they need to be pointed in the direction of receiving their own legal advice uh, from an employment lawyer, and oftentimes that does the trick. So every case is different, needs to be analyzed a little differently, but there are certainly a variety of ways we can force employers to respond by either following up with them, maybe being a little bit more uh, kind of assertive in our approach, uh, and ultimately, if an, if an employer does continue to ignore us and, again, bury its head in the sands, we can actually proceed with formal legal action, at which point they have to respond. Let's get to an email again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Wendy's up first, says, guys, my father just lost his job after 18 years, and he was offered nine months severance. Is that all he gets? Yeah, and, it, it, you know, receiving lots of calls and emails, uh, you know, very similar to this one from Wendy, uh, Wendy here in the sense that, uh, you know, because of, of COVID, because of the economy and, and, and you know, the current state of, of affairs, lots of people, unfortunately, are being let go or being temporarily laid off, and so... You know, it sounds like this gentleman, 18-year employee, I don't know how old he is. Uh, I also don't know his position, and obviously I'd want to speak with him to find those out. But, you know, as an 18-year employee, 
nine months, uh, uh, John, doesn't sound right. I mean, even if ultimately you were a you know you were a laborer for eighteen years, or you know you were you know some sort of clerk or something like that, you know you had uh, you know kind of a, a menial laborer job. Uh, you're going to be looking at way more severance than just nine months of pay with 18 years uh, of service. If this gentleman is in his, you know, 50s or 60s, uh, again, even with a, you know, with a with such a position, he might be looking at something in the range of, you know, I would say 16 to 18 months probably as his severance entitlements. And so I wouldn't be surprised, Wendy, if your dad's been been offered 50 cents on the dollar. We see it all the time. We were talking about it earlier in the show, uh, yep. uh, John. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't accept that nine months of severance. Wendy, I'd like to speak with your dad and, you know, find out, uh, you know, what he did with the company, how old he is, uh, you know, how quickly or not he, you know, he'll be able to find new employment. And that will certainly dictate what kind of severance he's owed. But I'm guessing here that nine months is probably going to be close to half of what he's actually owed. Donnie's up next. Donnie says, guys, I was put on a performance improvement plan uh, about four months ago. Last week, my employer told me that I didn't improve and I was let go without severance. What can I do? Yeah, well, uh, certainly in a case like this, uh, uh, Donnie, uh, you know, a termination without severance for performance issues is, you know, that's such an uphill battle for an employer uh, John, I really don't think it's wise for employers to, you know, to act in this way and to terminate employees uh, in this way, even if there were concerns about Donnie's performance, right? Even maybe if he was struggling, uh, you know, over the past few months or so and his performance wasn't exactly what it should be, uh, that's still not grounds for what we call cause for termination. So a cause termination is when you've some- done something so terribly wrong as an employee, so terribly bad that your employer gets to let you go without any notice and without any severance and performance reasons doesn't doesn't basically hold up to that cause standard performance is just the reason that you can let an employee go without cause uh, which means that fine you can let that employee go if you're worried about their performance but you've got to pay them the right amount uh, of severance, and so what I think Donnie should be doing in a case like this, certainly reaching out to us, uh, you know, scheduling a, a time to chat with us, and he should be pursuing his severance entitlements, especially in a case like this where the reason that the company is using is performance. I actually think it's going to be pretty easy to get Donnie his full severance uh, entitlements, and pretty easy to resolve a matter like this. And, and I think he certainly should be pursuing those. We'll get to the last one quickly. Uh, Helen says, my boss is always very rude and demeaning. He yells at me regularly, puts me down in front of other employees. I've talked to HR several times about this, and they keep saying that they will speak to him. So far, nothing's changed. I'm very stressed, and I'm losing sleep. How do I make this harassment stop? Yeah, listen, no, no employee, John, I want to be crystal clear uh, you know, about this. No employee uh, in the land deserves to be yelled at regularly and you know what did you say put me down in front of in yeah. front of others no employee deserves that kind of treatment uh, if that's the case that is certainly harassment that is certainly what we call a poisoned work environment uh, you know I'd want to speak to Helen in a little more detail but she probably has the option of resigning her employment and obtaining her severance entitlements uh, that is certainly an option for an employee who is being harassed in the workplace no employee has to put up with something like that. If she wants to keep her job, then that's fine. She should be you know, pursuing that within the company internally. And if that's not working, then she's got to get out. It's not worth your mental health as an employee. It's not worth your well-being. And again, 
you know, our laws are very, very, very well protected, uh, very protective of employees uh, when it comes to health and safety in the workplace and when it comes to harassment especially. We are done for the evening. Thanks for all your input, emails, and phone calls as well. Reaching out now to Alex, real simple, one 821 5900 You can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And finally, the email address to reach out as well, just for a you know, chat, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580 CFRA.